Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. Find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. Here with me, as always, my co-host, Taylor, at Taylor underscore Wit on Twitter.com or the Twitter app in your app store. What's going on, buddy? I uh, enjoyed playing a little board games with you earlier and enjoying that you are in town for a little bit longer and uh, we got to do some IRL bro hangout time. Yeah, I mean, uh, good on you for beating me in the search for Planet X. You know, that's that was a uh, fun game. Was good. It was a good win on your part. I did defeat you in Star Wars Outer Rim earlier this week, so you know we're yes, we're one and one. We're gonna have to uh, have a rubber <laughs> match sometime this weekend when uh, we can find time amongst all the uh, basketball that's coming up. We're Sounds brought to great. you as always by the Pigskin Podcast Network at PigskinPodNet. Check out our partners, DraftKings and Underdog Fantasy. Pretty simple show for you guys this week. We've got news, news, news in which we discuss the comings and goings of the Chiefs free agent class. More goings than comings so far. hey But we, uh, we've got some news to discuss there. We're going to talk about what is happening around the league because, I mean, there's a lot going on. It's free agency, as I may have mentioned. And then we're going to talk about where we go from here. Still a lot of quality players. We are recording this on Wednesday, March 15th. Yeah, who knows what's going to change by the time you listen to this. By the time you listen to this podcast, who knows? Maybe Aaron Rodgers will finally be a New York Jet. Probably not, not though. So let's get into it. Starting off just with a minor transaction that could mean a lot. The Chiefs have converted $12 million of Patrick Mahomes' 2023 roster bonus into a signing bonus that did clear for the Chiefs almost $10 million in new salary cap space. This happened about an hour before we recorded, and I got to ask you: Is this, is this, is this something imminent, or is it just, um, just a thing? I kind of wish that when they cleared it, they didn't have basically zero cap space, sure. and I would think that that would be a little bit more enticing. Uh, the fact that they were right up against the cap after a couple of the moves this week, and then they did this to kind of give themselves some breathing room, doesn't quite fire me up especially combined with what we'll talk about with some of the offers that they didn't match with some of their players going to other teams i feel like the chiefs are uh they're kind of acting like pores right now and i want that to turn around in a hurry we have a bit of breaking news before we get into it <gasps> orlando brown jr has a contract with it with the cincinnati bengals oh <laughs> Four years, $64 million, which is not – that's less money than the Chiefs gave Jawan Taylor. And uh, he gets $31 million signing bonus. No guarantees yet. This broke four minutes ago. So uh, Mike Garofolo said he was adamant he wanted to stay at left tackle, and the Bengals would allow him to do that. He is the one that – that's the team that would let him play left tackle. That is a fascinating bit of breaking news that we get to evaluate and discuss live here on the podcast. Literally, as you were kind of just playing us in, I was like, yeah. I better check Twitter to yeah. see if anything, anything important has happened in the five minutes between when we hit record <laughs> and when we got to this point. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> all right. What I was trying to say is you and your ADD when we're on the pod, and I know you've got one eye on Twitter at all times, that's that's great in this case. That's super helpful because I certainly was not um, looking around, and now Orlando Brown Jr. gets a job with the Chiefs, arguably number one to maybe number one A uh, competition in the AFC. 
I yeah, mean, I'd say for sure our biggest rival. I mean, whether or not, yeah, hatred wise, you know, sure, right. I mean, it's it's a it's a grudge match, and Orlando knows that because he played in all four of the games that the Chiefs played against Joe Burrow and the Bengals the last two years, including mm-hmm. the AFC Championship game loss last year, including the two regular season losses, and then of course the AFC Championship game win this year, and now he's just switching sides. I feel. I feel a little bit betrayed. I'm just going to let my emotions loose here. And, I, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I feel a different emotion than betrayal. I feel justified in my kind of hate or talking shit on Orlando. So, like, sure, sure, I sure. haven't really been that into him. Like, I, no, I, no, I know that he does seem like a good dude, and that's fine. And that's great. And I'm sure 99.9% of all NFL players are good dudes. That's not really what it's about. But. I feel like since the day that the Chiefs traded for him, and really since before that when he was kind of towards the end of his Baltimore tenure, and then with his time in the Chiefs, I just think that he smells his own farts too much. I think that he thinks that he is better than he is, and it cost him in contract negotiations, and it cost him a you know a solidified role on this team because he certainly could have approached the Chiefs from a position of like, understanding his own actual value and i think he would still be a member of the defending super bowl champs and instead now he gets to go lose to the Chiefs. so good luck orlando well let's not forget that he turned down last year allegedly purportedly a six-year 139 million dollar deal with the chiefs and yeah good this point. includes a 31 million dollar signing bonus which would be which would be guaranteed i don't know how much of the rest of this deal would be guaranteed it's interesting tom pelicero's tweet now that I'm reading it again, he does say it's $64 million over four years, but front loaded with the Bengals. That includes a $31 million signing bonus, which signing bonus is the largest ever for an offensive lineman. It sounds like this may actually end up being maybe like a, a shorter deal yeah. uh, with the signing bonus sort of front loaded. And of course, with the Bengals, you know, uh, they have to pay Joe Burrow. So that kind of makes sense if they wanted to keep him around. But it's a it's a really fascinating it's a really fascinating dynamic because we were going to lead this off with the Chiefs' big shiny addition on Monday, you know, afternoon, a, an hour or two in a free agency. They signed Jacksonville Jaguars right tackle Jawan Taylor. And yeah. I say right tackle, but of course, they paid him $60 million guaranteed, which is almost as much as Orlando's total deal mm-hmm. over four years, the same amount of years that Orlando got. And they're going to move him to left tackle, which is where Orlando is going to play. And he moved, of course, from right tackle, uh, starting off with the Ravens, to left tackle uh, when their left tackle got hurt. And then, obviously, when Ronnie Stanley got hurt. And then, thank you. And then he got traded to the Chiefs and played left tackle for the Chiefs for two seasons. So, boy, this is a really fascinating (laughs) dynamic that we get to react to in real time. It is. And before we move on, I just want to note for you that in our show notes on our still free agents board, I had Orlando Brown Jr. listed as a right tackle just to kind of talk shit, just to be funny. <laughs> and, you know, I I just feel like if he wants to – if this is the route he wants to go, and maybe, you know, money talks in this league and – at the end of the day, maybe he didn't say like, oh, I'm going to leave the Chiefs and I'm going to go to the team that has got, you know, the second best quarterback, blah, 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 all that. You know, maybe he didn't really consider all that. Maybe he just said, hey, Bengals are offering me the most money to go play guaranteed left tackle and that's what I'm going to do. But it's it's interesting because it's a little bit of a – it kind of reminds me of pro wrestling 
and maybe this is because I've been watching some pro wrestling documentaries recently, but like it's kind it's kind of like the off field rivalry drama stuff that that we that kind of fuels us, fuels our fire, you know, that gets everybody talking. And and I mean, this is going to be when the Chiefs play the Bengals next year, like everyone's going to be talking more about Orlando and him playing against the Chiefs defensive line and seeing, you know, Carl Aftis and those guys going after him. And I mean, I think it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm really fired up that a guy that I wasn't super fired up to root for is going yeah, to play now you with get, the bad guys. Now you get to root against him. Now, the only thing yeah. that I that I I kind of regret about this is that unfortunately the Chiefs don't really have anybody on the roster right now that would put Orlando in a blunder. I mean, he really struggles with speed, and the Chiefs are not really a speed rushing team. Uh yeah, you know, they're really more of a power rushing team. Not a lot of bend necessarily in the Chiefs' current edge rushing class, and that's what Orlando seems to really struggle with. But a lot uh, of off season between now and there is play a, the there's a lot of off season left. We'll talk about some of the potential moves we can make after the break here in the middle. But um, man, it's also quite a contrast for Orlando going from protecting Patrick Mahomes to protecting Joe Burrow. Very different quarterbacks in the pocket. Uh, just mm-hmm. their their maneuverability and their ability to get away from pressure. You know, Burrow obviously cut his sack numbers way down this past year, but he's always been, I mean, the first two years was, was obviously a high sack quarterback. A lot of that is, you know, how you're choosing to play the game, but it's, uh, it's going to be very different and it's going to add a lot of juice to this rivalry. Can't wait for that. So let's talk briefly here about Juwan Taylor. We obviously mentioned the chiefs are giving him $80 million, 60 million guaranteed over four seasons. He's coming from the Jaguars and, He's a player that has played right tackle exclusively in so far in his pro career. He has a little bit of left tackle experience. I think he played a couple of games there in college. Yeah, not much. Cup he of coffee. Grades out as a plus plus pass protector. And he's really more average, below average in the run game. 25 years old. So the Chiefs have a type in free agency. We didn't do a yeah. preview this year, but if we had, we would have said, look, the Chiefs are going to pay people in free agency. It's either one-year deals for older guys, or if they're going to give out a multi-year contract and they're going to shell out the money, it's going to be a f- for a guy that's in his his mid-20s. I mean, they yeah. they love yep. to spend on youth. And we have endorsed this theory every year that we go into free agency on this podcast. If you're going to spend money in free agency, I mean, a lot of money in free agency, you might as well bet on a guy that could get better and still yeah. has room to improve. And the Chiefs certainly are doing that with Juwan Taylor. Yeah, not only could get better, but is even if he doesn't get better, already serviceable, right? Like it's it's the the high enough floor that they're comfortable playing him immediately, but the high enough ceiling where yeah, if you give a young guy some time with good coaching and you know some time to develop and get, I mean, it it really does um, just it's a good profile of a player to have. Like I I know it's simple to say like oh yeah, you want to go out and get young guys that are really good, like duh. But they stick to their their guns. They stick to that mentality, and they're consistent in that being the type of player that if they're going to put assets into, it's going to be that type of player. And, yeah, it doesn't work every time. No no strategy in the NFL is going to work every time. But the, the homers that you hit on this strategy are massive franchise-altering homers. If you get a guy in his mid-20s that you project to be a superstar and he becomes a superstar – like you're going to win a shitload of football games. That's how, that's how it works. And this is the type of guy that, I mean, 
I just feel like if they, first of all, if they weren't comfortable with him switching over to left tackle, they would not have made, they right. given him the money, made the move. I mean, this is, the scouts are good on the Chiefs. They understand talent. They understand the types of. it was the plan from well before. Yeah. I mean, yes. obviously this happened within an hour of the tampering period yeah. opening and they, they had they, their sights on him. They leaked to James Palmer right away that he was going to play left tackle. I mean, the news was out there. Like this was, this was always the plan. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is I'm sure negotiating with Orlando as long as they have all off season last year, um, clearly that, you know, he's been around the team for a long time that I'm sure if the chiefs could have gotten something done with Orlando that made sense for the chiefs, they wouldn't have gone in this direction, but given his, you know, his own uh, proclivity to want to get paid really high to play left tackle. I mean, I think they've, they pivoted pretty early in this process is what it seems like. And they identified their guy. They went out, they got him. I mean, just very, very championship like maneuver by the chiefs to immediately replace the guy that is holding is holding them hostage with the salary negotiations and just saying, now nah, we'll just pay, we'll pay this other guy and go on, uh, have fun, Orlando, do your thing. It sounds like just to wrap up our conversation with Orlando, uh, Ian Rappaport just tweeted, he gets 67.87 of the $64 million fully guaranteed. So he oh, is getting about yeah, good for him. Yeah. He is getting about 40 uh, something million dollars fully guaranteed there. He is going to get 49.9 million through year three. And he said by that point, he'll be ready for the next deal. So it does sound like it's essentially a three year, $50 million yeah. deal, which yeah. again, I mean, that still is a lower APY than what the chiefs are playing for Juwan Taylor. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's going to be, Really fascinating, obviously, to see how those two deals play out. And these are the two premier teams in the AFC. They are two teams that just paid, you know, young left tackles. Jawan Taylor is two years younger than Orlando Brown. You know, he yeah. certainly at right tackle has graded out as a much better pass blocker. And, you know, both these third teams. lowest pressure rate among all tackles last season. I mean, for John Taylor, it's great. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's that's really good. Let's talk about the other new addition for the Chiefs. It's defensive end Charles Omenihu coming over from the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, this is a guy who this was sort of a Brett Veach special because we swooped in late on the second day of free agency. I mean, it was probably around 1030, 11 o'clock local time. I was about to go to bed Yeah, uh, when you sent me the text and said, hey, we got a new chief on the team. Mm -hmm. And. You know, he's a guy that was kind of a little bit off my radar, but, it, you know, the more I read about him, the more I like. Again, this is a guy who is he's going to be 26, I believe, in August. So this is another guy who has youth on his side. He was probably uh, in terms of production, probably the second best pass rusher for arguably the best pass rush in the NFL last year. I mean, you certainly would put the 49ers and probably the Cowboys you know, top two Eagles, uh, but I mean, Eagles, sure, of course, but yes, I mean, the Niners had a ferocious defense on every level and he was a rotational guy for them, but that's not because of his skill. That's just because of their ridiculous uh, depth they have on the defensive line. But um, yeah, he, he pops off the page um, six, five two eighty. He has a 97th percentile in wingspan and a 98th percentile in arm length. And we of course know that Spags loves the dudes with the big long arms. And I mean, the, the, pass rush win rates from him the and edge rushers in the NFL last year who had higher win percentages than Omenihue. There were only five of them and they're the superstars. Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, Zadarius Smith, and Trey Hendrickson were the only five guys in the NFL with a higher win rate than him. So yeah, he, he didn't play a ton of snaps. And he um, wasn't playing but, across from 
Nick Bosa, who's Nick Bosa, who's second five. on that list. Sure, yes, exactly right. So, you know, I mean, I get that good pass rushes, um, you know, they're like a feedback loop with each other, but boy, uh, he's a guy that he was the big 12 defensive line player of the year in 2018 when he was with Texas. So he certainly had the, the accolades in college and, you know, I mean the pedigree to go out in the NFL and, and dominate. And I'm, I'm fired up for this move as much as I'm fired up for Juwan Taylor and to get um, a good guy back there protecting Pat. I think Omenihu might be the bigger impact year one um, of these two. He should be a really nice piece. I don't know if I said it, but it's it's essentially two years, sixteen million. I believe it's, or excuse me, I think it's about I think it's about six million per year that's guaranteed, and then he has the possibility with incentives of getting up to twenty million dollars total over two that's seasons, right. which is not an extraordinary amount of money. I mean, it <laughs> no, just is no. it's it's a good deal for the Chiefs because again, when you're banking on a guy that has that kind of productivity, I get that this was his best season and the contract year is undefeated. Um, you know, unless you're Orlando Brown Jr., I guess. Ooh, Ooh taking the first L. Got but, him. <laughs> uh, listen, I mean, you're betting on a guy who's going to be 26 years old at the start of the season. You're getting his age 26 and his age 27 seasons. That's right in a pass rusher's prime. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, he developed uh, really nicely with the 49ers. And then, you know, he's going to be, um, you know, he's going to be a cog on this defense. And he's not going to have Nick Bosa across from him. But that gives him an opportunity to step up and show that he's more than a rotational piece. Yeah. And you'll have Chris Jones in the middle, which um, certainly helps with the defensive line, getting pressure and taking off double teams from him and all that stuff. I mean, he'll still get plenty of help on this chief's defensive line. And, you know, it's um, when you get guys that are going in and out of the roster, you want to make sure that the guys that are coming in can step in right away and that you don't have to kind of lead them along and, and, wait for them to really get their feet wet in six or seven or eight games or whatever. And Omenihu certainly seems like the type of guy with the big enough upside that should be able to step in day one and cause some havoc for the Chiefs defensive line. I think I'm really uh, fired up about this one. Yeah. Let's get to the departures. And we already talked about Orlando. We got to break that news on the podcast. You know, yeah, that was fun. So hopefully some of you still will not have heard when you get the podcast. <laughs> Doubt it. Doubt it get it turned around quite that fast but let's talk about the big departure uh several players departing in free agency we're not going to go in chronological order we've kind of got these arranged in order of you know potential impact of the chiefs so starting off wide receiver juju smith schuster signs a three-year 33 million dollar deal with the new england patriots today 16 million dollars of that is guaranteed so this was not a major deal and i should say this was the essentially the deal that Jacoby Myers got with the Las Vegas Raiders, and he signed mm-hmm. yesterday. Obviously, a former Patriot, and as soon as Juju signed for essentially the same deal, he uh, he <laughs> let it be known on Twitter that this was a cold business. Yeah, and uh, he's right because they essentially said we would rather have this player from the Chiefs from outside our organization for the same amount of money as you, even though Juju's older and hasn't been quite as healthy as Jacoby Myers. Up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just a really interesting deal. We have heard that the Chiefs did make Juju an offer, that they you know, had an offer on the t- table for him. Um, but Sam McDowell uh, tweets that the Patriots offer was significantly more favorable to Juju financially, which is interesting because it still is not an outrageous amount of money for him. Yeah, yeah. So the Chiefs must have um, 
they must have kind of felt like Juju was a piece that if he wanted to come back and if he if it was very important for him to remain a chief, they were going to allow him to remain a chief. They were going to give him an offer that, you know, doesn't hurt the team, but lets him come back. And, you know, as is his right and at, nobody blames him for, he went and got his back and he, and he got money in New England that he wouldn't have gotten with the Chiefs. And from all accounts, sounds like a significant bump there, not just that the Patriots beat him by $500,000 or something, but that they they gave him a significant raise. And, you know, he's a guy that we were pretty much, I, I was assuming he was coming back. I felt like sure, given sure. the pursuit of him the year before the Chiefs got him, given the success that he had on the field um, last year with the Super Bowl and with the way that everyone kind of talked about the fit and all that stuff, I just had kind of gone into this offseason saying, well, yeah, Juju signed the one-year deal, but they'll they'll bring him back and they'll give him, you know, $28, 30000000 million or something and make it work. But Well, and I, James Palmer said, I mean, reported a week ago that, you know, the chief's plan was to bring him back. And yeah. that, that was, that was the plan was to That's right. essentially run back the receiving core and bring Juju back. And so it's interesting that that would have made it to, you know, a national reporter like James Palmer. And then for this to be the outcome today, where the chiefs, the chiefs decided not to retain him. They certainly could have made this offer work for them and they made the decision not to do it. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So we'll see how it works out. Um, you know, going from Patrick Mahomes to Mac Jones is certainly going to be a bit of a change for Juju. But, <laughs> I mean, he came from Wash Big Ben, so he'll just have to remember what it was like two years ago when his quarterback couldn't get him the ball. And I'm sure he'll adjust just fine in New England. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully he can – Go beat, uh, go beat the Bills and the the Rogers led Jets and kind of. I mean, I'm I'm in on the Patriots. They're the worst team in the AFC East. Like, if they go win some games, that's better for the Chiefs. Sure, we're rooting for the Patriots. We're Patriots fans now because just like we predicted, clearly the worst team in that division. And we just gotta, you know, we gotta we gotta root for the Patriots. We gotta root for the underdogs. Go Pats. Uh, let's <laughs> talk about uh, the next guy on the list. Safety Juan Thornhill signs with the Cleveland Browns today. A three-year deal worth $27 million. We haven't seen a lot of safeties on the move in this class, and this was not one that had, you know, necessarily a star player at the top, like a uh, Tyron Matthew a few years ago when the Chiefs signed him. He obviously was, you know, in his prime and was going to command a lot of money. You didn't see really any star safeties in this class. And, you know, this is we talked to our guy Dan Harms, you know, um a couple of weeks ago about the combine. And this just is not a this is not a stellar safety class. The safeties are undersized. They're slow. Juan gets a decent payday, three years, $21 million to sign with the Browns. What do you think? Uh, I think I'm going to miss him. I, I think he seemed like uh, a good dude. He was really entertaining. He was good on the field. I, I almost never felt like, like, damn, Thornhill. Like, he totally blew that. Like, I, he was solid fundamentally. Um, and he's a piece that when the Chiefs drafted him, that was kind of the start of, like, okay. The Chiefs are actually kind of figuring out this whole NFL draft scenario. Sure, he was like their he was Brett Veach's first good draft pick. Exactly, and and that kind of you know that's obviously uh, too bad. That's something that I would have loved to have seen Thornhill stick around a little bit longer. Um, but again, you know, uh, Cleveland wants to pay him some money, and uh, I mean, twenty one million dollars is a lot of money. Who am I to say he should have stuck around here for less money than that? Um, the business part of this is, is tough to swallow sometimes because we get all these guys become, you know, like 
almost like family members to us where we're rooting for them every single Sunday and all the time. And, and it just kind of, it, it bites when they've got to go play for any other team, but specifically an AFC team, an AFC rival, any of that stuff. I mean, the Browns, yeah, they're not really quite on our radar right now, but I mean, if Sean Watson figures it out and the Browns are like a playoff team and Juan Thornhill's their starting safety, like that's going to piss me off a little bit. So yeah, it's, uh, it's too bad. You know who did it right, Taylor? Who did? Andrew Wiley. Yes, That guy did. went yes, out and did. got the bag first thing on Monday. He signed uh, with an NFC team, and not just any NFC team. He signed our with our boy, Eric Bieniemy and the Washington Commanders. So the Chiefs obviously are going to have a new right tackle. As soon as, uh, I mean, the Jawan Taylor deal was announced shortly after Wiley. So Wiley actually got his bag very early. He obviously, this is something that's been in the works for a couple weeks now, I'm sure he was talking. Yeah. To, I'm sure yeah. he was talking to EB, and I'm sure this was the plan for for quite some time. And you know that was one of the first deals announced on Monday that he was going to be leaving to join the Commanders. But the Chiefs are not replacing him with Jawan Taylor. They still have a hole at right tackle, and I mean it's it's a bummer to see him go because Andrew Wiley is obviously a player who, you know, kind of like. He's sort of like Frank Clark almost, not not in terms of the personality, but but in the in terms of the arc. I mean, he was a guy yeah. who, yeah. you know, started off strong, had some really low moments with the Chiefs, and then turned into a really good player this year and helped the Chiefs win their second Super Bowl in four seasons. Sad to see him go. Yeah. And the more we watch of this team, certainly a team that wins the Super Bowl where you try and drink in as much off the field content as you can. Like the more I saw of Andrew Wiley not playing football, the more I liked him. I mean, you know, like just seems like a really, really likable, funny. They they did the whole thing about him collecting Pokemon and stuff like he he's just got um, a really jolly personality. And like you said, had so many struggles that once they slotted him into right tackle for good this year. And I mean, he was damn good. And he played his ass off in the Super Bowl, had an absolute dominant showing against that Philly defensive line. And you know, again, um, really, really bummed to see my guy go because I liked Wiley a lot, but Washington was paying him more money than the Chiefs were willing to, and that's kind of how this goes. You win the Super Bowl, you get a lot of you know good, positive love from everyone else in the league. They bring you in, and they look at that shiny ring on your finger, or in some of these guys' cases, two rings on their fingers, and they say – I will give you however much money you want to come play football with us. And I mean, like you said, the, the relationship with EB huge there for Wiley being familiar with what they're doing on offense and with, I'm sure some of the checks and calls and stuff, because the other thing is Washington is likely going to have Sam Howell or someone else, a quarterback that, I mean, they're not going to go in with a vet quarterback. That's going to want to run things his way, which right. means EB is definitely going to do stuff his way in Washington and Wiley knows he's going to step into that and probably be able to run the whole playbook day one. So, right, um, right. yeah, I think that's a great fit for Wiley. It's a great fit for Washington and um, hope to see our commanders go out and do fun things. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about rooting for a team owned by Dan Snyder, but and you there, know, I don't think they're going to be owned by him for long. Well, hopefully not. Hopefully the NFL can finally find a way to push him out because I would love to be able to root for Eric Bieniemy and Andrew Wiley. Love those guys. Another guy that we love and hate to see go, Colin Saunders, mm, uh, former defensive tackle, now heading to the Saints to rejoin Tyron Matthew, who is happy to see him come in. He gets a three-year deal worth up to $14.5 million. 
he uh, obviously is a guy who, you know, couldn't really get on the field. He was uh, a draft pick a couple years ago for the Chiefs and had a hard time finding his way. Obviously struggled with some injuries. And then, you know, Turk Wharton goes down for the Chiefs uh, earlier this year. And, you know, Colin Saunders gets his first chance to get significant playing time. He ends up mm -hmm. recording a sack in the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, he ends up with uh, Tom Pelissero tweeted. Seems like just yesterday he was covering <laughs> Colin Saunders' baby labor drama at the Senior Bowl. His wife was going yeah. to labor. Four years later, he has three kids, just got paid, three-year deal worth up to $14.5 million. And, you know, uh, Colin is a guy that uh, certainly has been very vocal about uh, his journey and his struggles. And it's it's great to see him go out a champion and and go get paid. But uh, it's uh, it's kind of a bit of a bummer that he's not going to be returning. Yeah, you know, you get a guy that big that could move as fast as he can, does the backflips. He's a very unique guy um, and was kind of one of those stories where early on he really wasn't getting a lot of playing time. Like like you said, um, until Turk went down, he was – I think a rotational piece would be would be a bit of, uh, you know, sure, doing him a little generous. bit of service. Yeah, right. yeah be generous. And, and now that he got his chance, if Turk doesn't go down there, I mean, who knows what – what Colin's career looks like. And instead he gets to go and get some money from the saints and kind of pay off that journey that he's been going on that, that contract you get after your rookie deal. I'm sure there's just absolutely nothing like it getting, you know, tens of millions of dollars to go play football. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. That's an NFC team. I know it's helmed by Derek Carr, but the saints are obviously not on my radar at all. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're saints fans. We're now. pro Derek Carr. Yeah. We're pro Derek <laughs> yeah. Carr now. So it's, uh, yeah, exactly. It's right. Completely fine to, to your, to your point. I mean, um, to both of our points, I guess, but he, you know, he played 300 snaps his rookie year, but then his second season, he obviously got injured, played only 74 snaps. And then, Last year, only 144 snaps. And then yeah. this past year, the Super Bowl season, he ended up playing 421 snaps in the regular yeah. season. He obviously was a big contributor in the playoffs. So it was great to see him get an opportunity to prove that he belongs in this league and, you know, get an opportunity to secure that bag. Good for Colin. A couple more departures. Fullback Michael Burton actually signed with the Denver Broncos. Boof. And linebacker Darius Harris was non-tendered. He actually pass through whatever the off-season version of waivers is i'm sure somebody's listening to the show and they're like it's not waivers you idiot it's i know i know that it's not i just didn't do functions like enough waivers. preparation for darius harris he's non-hindered <laughs> he's currently like an unrestricted free agent he can sign yes. with any team including with the chiefs not a whole lot to talk about there we do have three players that are returning to the chiefs that we should briefly discuss tight end jody fortson returns Quarterback Shane Buchel and defensive tackle Turk Wharton, Tershawn Wharton is coming back. Your thoughts on these uh, players returning? I'll be interested in how much Jody Fortson gets to play. He kind of kind of dropped off towards the end of this year. Not really. I mean, I don't know if health had something to do with it or effectiveness or whatever, but he kind of seemed like he fell out of favor um, offensive snap wise. And then I'll be interested if the Chiefs bring in a veteran quarterback as the QB two, or if they just sure. figure, hey, if Pat goes down, like we probably just don't even need to bother. Like, sure, we're you know, fucked. Like, we don't we'll, practice. We fuck, might as well, fuck. yeah, we might as well get a higher draft slot and just have Shane Bichelle out there anyway. So, and then Turk Wharton, you know, before he got hurt, he was playing. He was a he was a good piece, and yeah, he was. And I think the Chiefs recognized that, which is why they brought him back. And with the departure of Colin Saunders, um, you know, would love to see Turk Wharton go in and uh, have a big year next year.
Sure, Turk gets his job back, which is always good to see. We have several players who are still free agents as of the time of us recording this. It's about nine o'clock, or excuse me, about ten o'clock Kansas City time. Uh, left tackle or left tackle Prince Segamonogo, guard Nick Allegretti, running backs Jarek McKinnon and Ronald Jones, wide receivers McCole Hardman and Justin Watson, tight end Blake Bell, defensive ends Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap, defensive tackle Derek Nottie, and safety Dion Bush. Of those guys, and we are going to talk about what moves we'd like to see make, but who do you think is, if you just had to give me one name from that list, who do you think is most likely to return to the Chiefs? Man, I I, I would have said Frank until he kind of started tweeting through it tonight and talking about numbers don't lie, and if you're leading 70 men, how can you not be honest with yourself? And Just kind of some, some stuff that made it sound like maybe he's learned that the team is not going to bring it back maybe i don't know but if if not i would have loved frank i think he still would have been a good fit to come back for every for all the reasons that we talked about but i'm gonna say jerk mckinnon here i think that uh he was a really good fit for what the chiefs wanted out of a back love his pass protecting ability especially with you know having a left tackle that hasn't played left tackle and no right tackle right now. Um, I think the chiefs would value a running back that they would feel comfortable going out there and, and chipping like hell and, and being a pass pro block or back and McKinnon fits that mold. Um, no, he's getting a little bit older, but I think he's probably the guy that, and especially if I'm looking at these and like, who do I want back the most? Like, I think it is McKinnon. maybe. Yeah. I don't mind that pick. I'm going to call my shot here. I'm actually, I'm going to talk about Frank Clark in our, our next little segment. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'll save my opinion on him, but Actually, I'm kind of thinking that we might see a reunion with Nicole Hartman. I'd be really interested to see what his market looks like. But, you know, Juju and Jacoby Myers were pretty inarguably the two best receivers on the market, unless it depends on how you feel about Odell and whether you're going to loop in, you know, somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, who's technically a trade candidate and not a free agent. But, you know, with, Juju Smith-Schuster gone, not that they're comparable players. I understand that they fit different roles on the team, but, you know, the Chiefs have to get a wide receiver somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happening. Speaking of happening, let's talk about what What is is happening. I don't want to spend any time on this, but Aaron Rodgers is eventually going to be a New York Jet. Chiefs are going to play the Jets this year. I guess we can talk about it more if and when it happens, but I'm over it. Yeah, I was over it a long time ago. I have completely done a 180 on Rodgers and my opinion of him. I hope that he loses every game from Favre now on. 2.0. He sucks. He sucks. And, and well, Favre ended up sucking for a lot more, I think, like objective reasons, like, you know, dick pics and, and defrauding Welfare Medicare. Fraud, and, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, a lot of things that are actual horrible things. Rodgers just sucks. He just is not, he's, he's just annoying and I don't like his whole attitude and I'm not in. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, if he's on an, on the jets, then when the jets play the Bengals and, and the dolphins and all that stuff, it'll be whoever, sorry, the, uh, I meant to say the bills, but I said the Bengals cause they're all sure. the same. They're all just they're the all AFC same. contenders that aren't as good as the chiefs. And when they all play <laughs> each other, then whoever loses is good for us. There are essentially two tiers in the AFC, the Chiefs and not the Chiefs. And <laughs> we are in the Chiefs tier. 
and everybody else is in the non-Chiefs tier. And it's good to be in our tier. That's the tier that wins the Super Bowl 50% of the time versus the field. So, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure you stuck this in there because this affects your dynasty team roster. But Austin Eckler, running back for the Chargers, requests a trade. He's in a really interesting situation because he is, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe 28 years old. And he's a smaller guy. Uh, you know, obviously not. Uh, he's currently 27. He's going to turn... 28, 28 in May. In May. Yep. So he'll play next season at 28. He's obviously, he's 5'8", you know, 200 pounds, and he has a lot of tread on the tires. But, you know, for a running back, a guy that has mattered as much as a running back can the last couple of years of the Chargers as their lead back, you know, he obviously has um, almost, I think he led the league in touchdowns last year and came pretty yeah. close, but for Jamal he's Williams... This he's year. let him combined over the last two years and sure. I think maybe the last three years too. Like he's been a touchdown machine. Yeah. Which I have benefited from greatly in my fantasy leagues. But to my credit, I put this in here because it's a significant AFC West situation. This sure, is really, sure. you know, um, really big deal for the Chargers because as much as, you know, you Herbert's their guy and all that stuff, like Eckler has been their most effective offensive weapon since he's been there. And for him to request a trade, it just it feels like maybe the wheels could be close to coming apart in Los Angeles before they've even really built the wagon or whatever the 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 phrase may be because they you know they they barely made the playoffs and then blew the lead to the Jags and their their wide receivers they just restructured both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to pay them a shitload of money next year which means that they're not going to play on the team next year and it just kind of feels like. They were going into this year as like a this is probably the last shot. We're we're probably gonna have to extend Herbert. We're probably not gonna be able to pay too many guys. And now with Eckler potentially being out of there, like I just don't really see them as being as big, nearly as big of a threat as I did this time last year. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Uh speaking of teams that aren't threats, boom, boom. the transitions today. Uh the Raiders <laughs> bring in Jimmy Garoppolo after reports that they did inquire about Aaron Rodgers availability after reports that they actually asked the bears about the number one pick, which now belongs to the Carolina Panthers after a mega deal that went down on Friday, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. They trade away Darren Waller to the giants for the pick that the giants got from us for the Kadarius Tony trade. And they signed the aforementioned Jacoby Myers. This is a bizarre team. It's not a yes. good team. And to be yes. clear, we have nothing to fear from the Raiders, but they're just odd. Like they went out last year, obviously traded the first and the second round pick, you know, immense draft capital for Devonte Adams made him the highest paid receiver in the league. I mean, the guy's 31. It's mm -hmm. not like he's, or he's, I think he's 30 this year, you know, I mean, he's still great obviously, but then now they're having to, they let Derek Carr walk. They released Derek Carr and what's their, plan i mean they're picking, <laughs> what are they they're, doing in that coil picking seventh you wouldn't think that that's going to be able to get one of the top four quarterbacks in this draft unless they move up they signed jimmy garoppolo so i guess they don't have a lot of pressure to do that necessarily but at the same time they're not going to win anything with jimmy garoppolo i just don't know what they're doing and they're in a division with mahomes and herbert and even russ and so i mean at, at least as far as their path towards anything relevant or significant as a franchise, it just seems like there's a shitload of roadblocks. And, you know, McDaniels obviously was in a ton of hot water for everything, for how the team, 
you know, responded to being up and losing a bunch of games last year. And it just seems like, it seems like, again, like with the Chargers, that the wheels are kind of falling off before they ever even finished in, in Vegas also. And I, I don't know if they if their plan here is to compete or not. And if you don't know, if you look at the roster and you can't tell if the team is like trying to compete or not, sure. that's bad. Right. That's, that's, it is bad. It is bad. You got to have an a eight and nine. You got to have a plan. Yeah. Like that's right. a middling team. That's not going to be bad enough to really do anything significant in the draft. They're not going to be good enough to win any playoff games. Like it just feels like the Raiders are stuck and they're probably stuck for a while because they just don't seem like they have leadership. They certainly don't have enough talent to really get them over the hump. I mean, I think we're not going to be talking about this team f- for a while. Boy. Uh, speaking of teams without plans, we saved the best for last because the Denver Broncos have been the biggest spenders in free agency so far, $217 million so far. And boy, this Mike McGlinchey signing gets funnier and funnier (laughs) after each successive tackle signing, because Mm -hmm. every tackle that's signed after him is getting paid less and (laughs) is better. He got paid $87.5 million over a four year deal. Obviously, he is not anywhere near the pass protector that Juwan Taylor is. The Chiefs signed for less yeah. money. He's, I don't know, he's probably fairly comparable to Orlando Brown, but, you know. That's not a compliment Orlando, to either guy. It's not a compliment to either guy. And Orlando signed for $20 million less. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, to play the the more premium position, they paid a dedicated right tackle, $87 million. And it's not like he's Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah. He's fine. He's yeah. fine. But like everybody keeps that- posting that picture of him getting lifted up by a Cowboys, uh, probably Parsons or someone, yeah. but like, like literally horizontal in midair because he just, yeah, he, I don't think he's very good. He's also 28. So he's older than Orlando and he's four years or he's four years older than Jawan Taylor. I mean, <laughs> the guy, the guy's significantly older and worse and more expensive that was just the start. That was just the opening yeah. salvo. They paid guard Ben Powers $51.5 million over three years. They paid uh, defensive lineman Zach Allen $47.75 million over three years. They signed Jarrett Stidham, former Raider, <laughs> QB1. to two years, $10 million, which is which is an interesting little signing. Uh, running back Samaj P. Ryan, quote-unquote Chiefs killer, according mm-hmm. to uh, at Broncos Daily or at Daily Broncos, something like that. Go uh, let them know what you think about Samaj P. Ryan being a Chiefs killer, maybe in the one regular season game that nobody cares about. And, you know, ask ask them what they did in the AFC Championship game this year. And yeah. See if they can look that up for us. Tight end Chris Manhurts, $6 million. <laughs> Our old friend cornerback, Tremont Smith, uh, who I did not realize was still active and doing things in the league. And then, of course, the aforementioned fullback, Michael Burton, who they signed for $1.32 million. This is... Uh, I mean, Broncos fans are going nuts because they're like in a good way. Yeah, because they're like, fuck it yeah, Walt money. Look at us just blowing out all these contracts. It's like you guys realize there's a salary how it works, though, right? Like <laughs> you could pay cash up front and that certainly gives you more flexibility in navigating the cap. And obviously the Walton Penner group, which owns the Broncos now, has shown in this first week of free agency that they're willing to spend their orders of magnitude richer than any other owner in the NFL. So it makes sense. But at the same time, this is what you got with your money. Yeah. I mean, Mike like McGlinchey, Ben Powers, Zach Allen, like, okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. I guess. I, and, and the funny thing is also, you know, 
two offensive linemen and a running back, like clear and a backup quarterback. How many of those moves show that you have trust in Russell Wilson? Zero. Negative. I mean, it's, it's like, it, you know, they're saying basically we have to mold our team around having a bad quarterback. That's what this whole, the whole off season has been for them so far. And I mean, I guess that's, I guess if I, owned them and was stuck with Russ's contract, that's probably what I would do. You know, like it's probably not the the bad move, but it's certainly hilarious. And it's certainly indicative of what I think is going to happen with Russ next year, which is I think the guy that we saw last year is the version of Russ that we're going to see until he retires. I don't think I he's going to get it back. Yeah, he's not going to get it back. He is. He is. He does he's have watched. the benefit of a better coach now. And so. Sure. You know, superficially, the results might be better, but I completely agree with the the picture that this is painting of what Sean Payton thinks about Russell Wilson, which is that he thinks he sucks. It goes back to, you know, when they injected Terry Bradshaw with old man truth serum. I mean, they didn't have to inject him with anything because old people have zero filters and just will say whatever the fuck comes into their mind. But they asked him, of course, like, you know, they said he Terry said he doesn't want to go to Arizona because of the quarterback. And they were like, <laughs> does he want to go to Denver because of, of Russell Wilson? And he was like, should I say this? Should I say this? Should I say this? <laughs> nah, no, no. But and know, everyone knew he was telling the truth. I know because exactly. it's obvious. Yeah, you could just tell on his face. He was like, you could see the wheels turning and. In Terry Bradshaw's CTA, CTE riddled 80 something year old brain, where he was like, Well, I probably shouldn't, but I'm just going to go out and say it. No, he doesn't want Russell Wilson. And they're, all of their moves show that they don't think Russell Wilson is the guy. Not only that, but like, have you seen that they're apparently shopping both of their wide receivers? Yes. Like, yeah. they're shopping Jerry Judy, they're shopping Cortland Sutton. Of course, they're not going to get. They want a first round pick for Jerry Judy and they want a second round pick for Gordon Sutherland. And neither of those guys have ever shown anything like that. They're just not good players. But the fact that you are shopping your top two wide receivers, yeah. beefing up the run game. <laughs> What's it, the point of having wide receivers like, if we can't gonna throw? They're going to be running the single wing. They're not going to sign throw a forward pass. They, they're going to decide Zeke to play quarterback. He's going to be their center. He's going to be yeah. up there doing the trick play. They're yeah. just going to lean into the run game. I mean, it's absurd. They clearly have zero faith in Russell Wilson at all, and it's amazing. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops to get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one of and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back up to $10. I mean, obviously I'm going to be using this to bet on my Jayhawks. So you guys, if you're, if you're trying to win money, that's the way you do it. Bet, bet on the defending champs. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Win or lose, only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, Taylor. We're three days in a free agency. There's still Where a lot of guys. Where do we go in. now? Where do we go now? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's get that out of our system here. Uh, players that we're still interested in. We were doing it off the air. We brought it back onto the air. We recorded it. It's done. 
It's in the, the record. The segment is called in all caps. Where do we go now? There's well, no way. Yeah, we're there's gonna... no way around it. It was unavoidable. So we've done in the past like a free agency draft kind of deal. We're we're not prepared enough this week. We've got a lot going on with the tournament and I've been traveling and I'm here in person. Uh, we've got a lot going on. So we're just going to go back and forth. We're going to have a little dialogue. We each picked five players that are still as of time of recording available and that we're interested in. I will start us off. I'm just going to come out and say it. Odell Beckham Jr. Now, listen, listen, here's the deal. I know he's 30. I know he hasn't played in a year. I know that the last time we saw him was in the Super Bowl against the Bengals. He looked great for the Rams down the stretch. And I get that he's had a lot of injuries. I get that he's coming off of a serious injury. I get that he's 30. And I also get that per reports, Last week, he was looking for 15 to $20 million a year. But first of all, the wide receiver market, as we have seen it so far, dictates that he will not be able to get that kind of money. No one's going to pay him 15 to $20 million a year, regardless of whether that's what he wants. So for him, you know, I mean, I think even at, even at the age of 30, I, I'm sure in a perfect world, he would love to get two years, $40 million guaranteed, whatever, and be able to say, this is probably going to be my last contract, make one more big payday. But look, if he's confident in betting on himself, he, he could, he could take a one year deal and he could prove that he's healthy. He could go ball out and he could conceivably still get paid next year when the wide receiver market maybe will be a little bit more robust. I, I think worse. it can't be worse. And I think, the Chiefs were at his workout. You know, he did kind of a pro day uh, a couple of weeks ago that several teams, including the Chiefs, attended. There's been persistent rumors linking the two. I really do think that for Odell's brand and to really reestablish himself as a player and a force in the league, I mean, he's a guy that was on a Hall of Fame trajectory his first, mm-hmm. you know, four or five years in New York. And I'm not saying that he's going to get into the hall of fame based on, you know, two years with the chiefs, but I'm not, not saying that. I mean, if the old Odell can come back, if anybody can get the old Odell back, it would be the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, him as wide receiver one with Travis Kelsey, even if he's like 70% of the prime Odell, man, that's that's a valuable, that's a valuable player to have in this offense. And I'm not saying that he is, but I'm saying that I would be very in on Odell, I totally get if you are out, but at this point, he's the best option left in free agency, point blank. Um, I completely agree with that take. I think that Odell, if you're advising Odell, like, hey, if you want to cement your legacy, make money, win championships, really whatever goals he has in mind, like where is a better place than catching balls from Patrick Mahomes and being on? Prime time five, six, seven times a year and going to the playoffs and getting Andy Reid to draw up plays for you. I mean, there is no better place for him to resurrect his career, his image, his pr- productivity than here. And and a one year deal makes the most sense because like then he can just use that one year deal. He's immediately in a contract year. He can immediately kind of go out there and and try out all year for his next mega deal, which doesn't have to be with the chiefs next time, but like it certainly makes sense in 2023 for him to come here. I mean, I think that 
that would be a blast. First of all, I would love for the Chiefs to upgrade from fake OBJ to real OBJ. I am sick of yeah. people calling Orlando Brown OBJ. I guarantee 100%. you most people in Cincinnati are not going to be calling Orlando Brown OBJ. I think that was a one-time deal. I don't think anyone in Baltimore called him OBJ, and I'm sick of it. I, this is Odell Beckham. He's OB, OBJ is Odell Beckham. He's not Orlando Brown. So, of course, had to get that off my soapbox. But I have to pick a player now. I'm going to play, pick – 25-year-old Eagles, former Eagles safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, CJ mm. Gardner-Johnson. Sure. He is a thumper. He's versatile. He kind of reminds me of, of like Juan Thornhill's role where he can do a little bit of everything back there. Um, I just really like his upside, and I, he had a hell of a year this year for the Eagles, and I would just love a talent like that to replace a guy like Juan Thornhill so that the safety group, instead of being – I mean – Look, I like Justin Reed enough. Like he's he's good and fine. But like if he's your best safety, I don't think that's good enough. I, I don't think that's a good enough back end of the of the secondary, especially with all these crazy wide receivers and quarterbacks in the AFC. Like they need a guy that is that is prepared back there. And I think that would be CJ Gardner Johnson. So I would be fired up to get him. Yeah, I think it would be an interesting piece for the Chiefs to add for sure. You know they like to collect safety. Safety is, is one of the safety is one of the positions that the Chiefs like consistently love to add at pretty much every year and will spend money at, even though it's not necessarily a quote unquote premium position. I certainly could see it. Um, I, I think he probably has the best chance of getting, you know, more of a mega deal than any of the other safeties that made it into this free agency class. So he probably would be a little bit pricey, but um, I certainly would give him a call and see what he's, what he's interested in doing. I mean, at his age too, you know, unlike Odell, who's 30, you know, he could conceivably, you know, if he doesn't like his market this year for whatever reason, you know, maybe sign a one-year deal. I think we're seeing more players, you know, take these one-year contracts and just get back into free agency because rarely are you going to be in a situation where, you know, if you're, if you're in a bad market, it's rarely going to be worse with the way that the NFL is constantly growing and the salary cap is constantly going up. Uh, I'm interested in a pass rusher and that's going to be the theme of my next three picks spoiler <laughs> alert, but I'm interested in Yannick and Gakwe and I love him. He's not, he's not the player that he used to be. He's played in, he's played on five teams in four years, which is crazy, but he's still just 28 years old. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, with, a guy like Charles Minahue and with Chris Jones, obviously taking up, you know, commanding double teams and commanding all that attention in the middle of the defensive line, being able to kick outside. I just think Yannick Ngakwe is the kind of player that could really benefit the Chiefs. He's 28, and I don't think, you know, I I could be wrong because he's one of the better edge rushers that's still out there in free agency, but I just don't think that he's going to command all that much money. We haven't seen you know, the market for edge rushers yet. I mean, there's not a whole lot of players like Ngakwe out there, but at the same time, I mean, I think teams probably learned their lesson last year after the Raiders gave all that money to Chandler Jones, after the Bills gave all that money to Von Miller. And, you know, unfortunately for the Raiders, Chandler Jones did finish the season. Unfortunately for the Bills, <laughs> Von Miller did not. And, you know, I think there's a lesson to be learned there. He's a, a couple years younger, a little bit, a little bit healthier. So he'd be my next pick uh, in terms of a guy that I'd like to see come in. What about you? 
Uh, for me, I'm going to stay in the Eagles secondary. Oh, because sure. Just keep, keep going. First of all, the Eagles, boy, do they have a lot of free agents. And they were very good they brought last back year. James Bradbury. They did bring back James Bradbury. So that means that I'm going for the other side of the cornerback uh, room, and that is Darius Slay. And, I, you know, I know Slay is on the smaller side at six foot, um, but he and he's 32. But that means that he's not going to cost a lot of money. And the sure, Chiefs right. don't spend a lot of money on cornerbacks. They just don't. And a guy like Slay is still fast, even though at 32 he certainly could uh, fall off at any point, I'm sure. But until he does, I think it's a that's a fine – it almost reminds me of like Bashad Breeland, where like, sure. you know, he's, he's a guy that you could see a veteran presence coming in and – knowing how to kind of teach younger guys and boy if you're if you need some someone to teach younger guys like the Chiefs have a crap load of younger corners that could right. really benefit from a guy like Darius Slay that's been around the block and knows every defense or every offense that's thrown out there and I mean I just think he would be a good influence um I'm probably a little swayed on this because I watched his post game Super Bowl YouTube show that he had yeah, yeah. and I just I just like the guy a lot like he was really genuine and he was really uh just effusive about the Chiefs and their approach to the game and everything he said I thought was like man if he was my player like I would want him I would want him to talk like this like just very uh root guy that's easy to root for so um I would love to see Darius Slade Arrowhead I'm going to bring back former chief Melvin Ingram. I love it. Is 34 years old and you know, he's not getting any younger, uh, but listen, he just has produced uh, consistently over the last several years. He was with the Steelers. He was with the chiefs. He was with the dolphins and you know, he just, some guys just have it and are able yeah. to remain productive even into their thirties as pass rushers. And you know, as a guy that has been a rotational piece, I think I think the Eagles kind of demonstrated with their pass rushers. I don't think they had anybody quite as old as Melvin Ingram, but you know, I mean, Fletcher Cox is getting up there, and they have mm -hmm. players on their defensive line that were older guys. I think the the goal, the way that you can make that workable is, you know, if that guy's going to play three, four hundred snaps and take on a bigger role for you in the playoffs, that's something that's really valuable. I, I'm not saying that Melvin Ingram is the same type of player, but the Chiefs did that with Terrell Suggs when they won the Super Bowl in 2019. Oh, yeah. They old. did it. They did it with um, Carlos Dunlap this year. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, brought him in as an older guy to take some rotational pass rushing snaps. And I think if you're going to take the approach of bringing in an older pass rusher, you know, the way to do it is not that Von Bell, or I keep wanting to say Von Bell, <laughs> the safety from the Bengals, who former. now former. Bengals yeah. safety, as is Jesse Bates. All their mm. safeties walking out the door this week, which is mm. which is fine. They got Orlando Brown Jr., so you know they're they're doing great. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the you know the lesson from the Von Miller signing and Chandler Jones signing is if you want to sign a pass rusher in his thirties, fine, but like go sign one of these guys that yeah. you know go sign one of these guys that wants to chase a ring and is willing to sign for one year and six million dollars, right? Like. Yep. Go sign a Carlos Dunlap. Go trade for a Terrell Suggs. Make a minimal investment because, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that Von Miller and Carlos Dunlap were the same player when healthy this year, but ultimately, you know, the Chiefs were playing Carlos Dunlap as a rotational guy. He stayed healthy, and he was a big contributor in the playoffs. And Von yep. Miller 
was, was you know, it? they wanted him to be an every down guy and his body couldn't hold up. Chandler Jones fell off a cliff, you know, as an every down guy. I just I think there are a lot of guys that sort of fit the Melvin Ingram mold. But uh, we have a history. We have a past. And I would like to see him return. And he and he played well for the Dolphins. I mean, you know, he's not a guy that you're like you could squint and see maybe he would be good. Like he still shows that he's got some good football in him. So I love that move. I would be fired up if the Chiefs got him back. I don't know what his relationship was like with the Chiefs and if him leaving was because, you know, one side or the other didn't want to or whatever. But um, I would I would be fired up for that. I, you know, a guy that I would really like to see the Chiefs sign is Darius Slay. Ten. And yes, I just went from Darius Slay to Darius Slayton because yeah, I you, said but I, I had a good, you know, had a good chuckle. Ba-doom-tsh. Yeah, no, right. because, you know, I, I was looking through the the free agents. I thought Darius Slay would be a good fit. And then it just kept rolling off the tongue. I was like, oh, sure. yeah, yeah, Darius Slayton. And clearly the Chiefs need to bring somebody in at wide receiver. Yeah, they do. and they need to do something. They cannot go into next year with the current group of Tony and MVS and Sky Moore. Like, like as as good as each of those players individually, like as, as fun as they are individually, they are not ready to be a full wide receiver room in the NFL. They're they're yeah. not healthy enough, consistently enough. They're not they're not consistent enough. They're they're just so the Chiefs need to make a splash. And yeah, maybe it's like a 31 overall in the draft or something, but if you bring in a guy like Slayton Although this is not like traditional splash wide receiver signing, he certainly would have the most experience in the NFL and the most success in the NFL of anybody in that room and is explosive and was able to be explosive with Daniel Jones, a quarterback in New York. And I mean, I, I like his peripherals. I like how he, yeah, I mean, he's athletic and I think he would be a good fit here as I think a lot of wide receivers would be because you have the best quarterback of all time throwing you the football. And I think it would be a good fit for Slayton to come here. So um, would love to see that pairing. I like it. And, you know, Darius Slayton had a 8.91 relative athletic score coming out of Auburn. Uh, He was a fifth round pick by the giants in 2019 elite vertical jump and broad jump numbers, uh, elite 40 yard dash. He ran the 40 at a 4.39. Um, and he's, you know, six foot one and one ninety. You know, I mean, he's he's a good sized guy with a lot of deep speed. And I think that I don't know. I mean, MVS obviously couldn't do it consistently, but he's he's kind of a little bit like Marquez Valdez Scanling, but he's younger, and I have a little bit more confidence that the Chiefs could maybe develop him as a weapon over the middle of the field. I would love to see that. I, I teased it already. I'm taking Frank Clark. I'm bringing him back to the Chiefs. Hell yeah. I read his tweets a little bit differently, and maybe I, I missed a few of them, but I think there's obviously different ways that you can interpret that string of tweets that he put out this afternoon, um, whether there might potentially be bad blood between him and the Chiefs or, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of the, the tweets were very complimentary and very respectful of the Chiefs organization, but I think... um. I think we saw it a little bit last year with him, you know, mentoring the young pass rushers and the humility that he brought to the team and to the, to his game was good. I think like, again, we're, we're getting into, he's now 30 years old. I mean, he's getting into the veteran rotational pass rusher phase of his career. And as I just, 
talked about with Melvin Ingram, Yannick Ngakwe, the Chiefs need players like that. And I don't know. I don't have any idea what his market is going to be elsewhere. I don't have a good handle on that at all. But I I hope the Chiefs are kind of keeping an open door to Frank in the event that he doesn't find what he's looking for. And if he does, good for him. I certainly will wish him the best. He's a guy that we've talked about many times on this show as having, you know, one of the more surprising and redeeming career arcs ever for a Kansas City Chiefs player. And I certainly won't begrudge him if he finds a team that's willing to pay him more money. But I hope the Chiefs keep that door open and keep that dialogue going in the event that he decides he's interested in coming back. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it would be a lot of fun. I also think that, you know, with just his love of Andy calling him like a father figure and and all that stuff, like, I just think that for Frank, I mean, the fit just makes too much sense. So um, if they will, if they can come to a number that makes sense for both parties, I think it'll happen. I, I really think that, um, I said earlier that I wasn't sure on those tweets. I kind of have read over them since I said that. And I, I do agree that it's not as obvious to me as it was at first that he was pissed about something. I think you know, he was just he's, getting some stuff off layers. his chest. He's got yes. layers, man. Yes, he really does. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that is gigantic and old. and <laughs> Old man strength. He has as much old man strength as maybe anyone in the NFL. And that is 6'8". 307 pound, 36 year old Calais Campbell and Calais Campbell does fit that mold that you were talking about um, as the, the veteran defensive end presence that the chiefs can kind of bring in and, you know, same, same type of move um, that they have been doing. And I just feel like he's had a great pedigree with Arizona, Jacksonville and Baltimore. He's had success everywhere he's been he had a, th- a great three-year stretch as – I mean, he's old now, 34, 35, 36 with Baltimore, but still managed 10 sacks in those three years. And sure. 99 for his career and and is a rotational guy, would not be a guy that they would be asking very much of, also would not be asking very much money. Um, I just think that it would be kind of that same veteran defensive end fit um, that you were talking about with Melvin Ingram. I think that would make a lot of sense. All right, my final choice, I'm going back to the Fountain of Youth, and I'm picking up former Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. Now, I know him. I love this this draft class, another one of your dynasty guys, even though we do not require you to start a tight end in our league, which makes his presence on your roster very confusing. But he is dynamic. I mean, this guy was the 50th overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. He's still just 24 years old. I mean, yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna be 25 this season. And you know, the knock on him is injuries. He's played six, he played 16 games his rookie year, 13 games second year, 84 games last, or excuse me, eight games last year. I was looking at his number 84, and then I just saw the eight, you know. Sure. It is, it is what it is. Yes. Eight games last year, only one start last year. The Vikings traded for TJ Hawkinson midway through the year, but after Smith went on season ending injured reserve, but you know, this is a guy who has shown some dynamism. I mean, 9.4 yards per reception in his career for a tight end in his second year. He was at 12.2 receptions. He had five touchdowns on 43 targets. So a guy that has shown some dynamic ability, and he's not just a move tight end. He's six foot two, 240, so he's not 
a dynamic blocker, but he's a guy that, I mean, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, (laughs) he kind of reminds me a little bit of Jordan Reed, you know, the former Washington tight end who, when he got on the field, really flashed and really showed a lot of promise as in, and Jordan Reed was a smaller tight end too, who was, if you ever, you know, rostered Jordan Reed on your fantasy team, hilariously injury prone. I mean, sadly, sadly, I I don't want to say, I don't want to make light of a guy getting hurt, but I mean, just it was all the time. It was preposterous how and often cut that concussions guy, most of the time. Yeah, I mean, he, mostly he just couldn't, right. exactly. couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, But, you know, Irv Smith is a guy that he's a dynamic athlete. He would be a really interesting piece for them to get on the field with Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray. And, you know, if it works out, I mean, take a one-year deal. But if it works out, the guy's 25 years old. I mean, he's a guy that you could bring back and see fitting into your long-term plan. And, you know, Travis Kelsey's not getting any younger. I'm not saying that Irv Smith is going to come in and replace Travis Kelsey. But, you know, again, when you're taking flyers on guys, Ty always goes to the guy who's 25 years old as opposed to the guy who's 32, right? I mean, yeah, there are guys on our lists, Clayus Campbell, Melvin Ingram, that are older guys. The reason they're on the list is because there just aren't that many guys with their skill set out there. But if there were ties between you know a Calais Campbell type and somebody that does the same thing that Calais Campbell does that's 26 bank yeah on the, bank on the guy that has a chance of getting better not a guy that's about you know has <laughs> one foot in the grave proverbially <laughs> speaking right and exactly. uh and Irv Smith fits that mold for me I would be really intrigued to see if the Chiefs brought him in I would be on board with that that's my last pick who you got for me well before I give you my last pick I want to say that one of these guys that we've named so far has already gotten a new team so no that's, that's the uh that's the danger you get when you're talking about the free agency in the middle uh, of the free in agent the middle of free fray. agency but darius lay is going back to the eagles so what? um i can cross him off my list they they, they, they cut said him and they just no, brought him back they said they were going to cut him and everyone ran with it and said that the the eagles were going to cut him and then they figured it out and huh. so he is back with the Eagles, so huh. um, you know would have been fun. But um, I'll take Chauncey Gardner Johnson over him anyway. So my final pick in our draft that I've already missed one guy is going to be Adam Thielen, and okay. I'm not thrilled about Adam Thielen. No, I but am, I am interested in Adam. Thielen. We need to get a wide receiver somewhere. That's exactly where I'm coming from. I, I feel like if it's not Odell. And if it's not Darius Slayton, and if they don't trade for DeAndre Hopkins or, you know, Mike Evans, or I mean, just some someone that has some splash, like they still need someone in this room. And I don't feel even with 31st overall that they can draft someone that I'm going to feel good about. If it's not, I just think they need to bring someone. And Thielen's the next guy on the list, I think, that would have enough cachet that I would at least be like, all right, I've seen him catch touchdowns in the NFL before. So, like, I feel good about that. And he says he wants to go play for a contender and win a ring and all the stuff that everybody says before they go sign with the Steelers or someone like that. But um, I feel like Adam Thielen would immediately be – the Chiefs wide receiver one, if nothing else changed, like even sure. over Kadarius Tony, over MVS, like he would still be. And the more I'm saying it, like I don't think that's very fun. I don't, yeah. think, that's, I, I don't think that's a scenario that I want to go into next year having Adam Thielen as wide receiver one. So 
you know, he was the last pick I had here. We should have more... flipped the picks around to make them more exciting instead of going out with the Adam Thielen whimper. <laughs> but you know what? Look, I'll I'll put a positive spin on it. I'll yeah. uh I'll give you a little pop and pizzazz with Adam Thielen. <laughs> I mean, sure, he may not be great, but he's available. He's a guy, and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's good pop. He's uh he's, he's a got guy. a pulse. He's a guy who has a pulse, who can play wide receiver. And, you know, the Chiefs do need a body there, and he is a body. It's always sunny at Chiefs Kingdom. Adam Thielen. 